0: Good morning, good morning, go ahead and have a seat and settle in. It is a beautiful day here in Southern California after some not-so-beautiful days, Um, so it's great to have all of you out this morning. It feels like we have a bigger uh, presence here in the auditorium this morning. I haven't counted yet, but uh, it is great to see all of you here, and it is great to have all of you with us online as well. You know, I couldn't help but see all over the place this week people are debating about Christmas decorations, so I'm going to take a quick poll. How many of you have already started decorating for Christmas? Raise your hand. All right, all right. So a fair a fair number of people, some of you are waving and all excited. And, and you know, ordinarily, any other year other than 2020, I would have said, you people are nuts. It is not even Thanksgiving yet. What are you doing? Put those Christmas decorations away. But 2020 has been such a crazy year at this point. I'm like, hey, if it makes you happy, you put those things up in October. So I'm getting excited for the holidays. I hope that you guys are getting excited for the holidays as well. We are winding down our Philippians series, or winding up, depending on how you like to look at things. Um, And we are coming to the close of our Philippians series. We'll actually wrap that up next weekend as we head into our Thanksgiving holiday. And I know we've talked a lot about this, but there's a lot of things to be thankful for despite our circumstances. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks as well. And we're going to continue today with our Philippians series. This is part six. And of course, if you missed any of those, you're welcome to go back. Um, You can find those on our website or on our YouTube page and you can get yourself caught up. But today we're going to be starting in chapter four. And I want to just remind you that the reason that we're spending this time in the book of Philippians, and especially right now during this pandemic, is the fact that Paul found his happiness regardless of his circumstances. And that's something that we're going to focus on today, is we're going to focus on how Paul was able to continue despite his circumstances. Or maybe we won't. There we go. Okay. Now we seem to be working. All right. So just a quick reminder, the reason that we're going through Paul's letter is because I admire Paul so much and I admire the things that he did. But one of the things I love about Paul is that despite his circumstances, despite the fact that he wrote this letter and many of his other letters while sitting in prison, he still found his joy in the Lord. And that's what I want us to focus on. We, we can either focus on all of the things that are going on around us, and maybe we're not able to meet for Thanksgiving the way we would like to, or maybe we're not able to travel the way we were hoping to, or maybe we can't have as many people over as we wanted. But let's focus on the things that we do have, and the most important thing that we have, which is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you to keep your focus there as we move into this Thanksgiving season. And if you do that, you will find lots of things that you have to be thankful for. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. So we are going to jump into Philippians chapter 4. Now, I'm going to warn you, the the basis of our lesson today is going to be Philippians 4, 4 through 7. But I just, my ADD kicks in. I can't just ignore verses 1 through 3. So we're going to go through Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 fairly quickly. I'm going to point out a few key points to you, and then we're going to move on to get to the bulk of what I really want to talk about here today. So if you want to open your Bibles, Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 1, says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in the way, dear friends. Now, as you can probably tell, even if you haven't heard any of our other lessons, Paul is kind of winding down this letter to the Philippians, right? He's kind of getting into that closing section where this is what he wants to leave them with. It's this idea of pathos, which, is, which is simply means emotions, right? Paul is appealing to their emotional side. He's trying to get their attention, Right, by saying these kind and these loving words to them, because he truly cares about them. Remember, we talked a weeks ago about how this was one of the first churches that he started in uh, Eastern Europe, is this church at Philippi. So he, he wanted to, to close this out by reminding them how much he cared about them and how much he loved them. And, and, and he's actually referencing back So this is kind of your review section. He's actually referencing back to things we've already talked about earlier on in this lesson series. The goal of his his appeal, and if you go back to chapter 1, verse 27, it's to encourage his readers to remain firm in their loyalty to Christ as citizens of heaven who await his coming as their deliverer. And we talked about that last week, this whole idea of our citizenship is not here on earth, right? We sing that song, this world is not my home, and that's what we talked a lot about last week. But as we go into chapter 4, Paul's kind of reviewing some of the things that he's already talked about earlier in his letter. It says, they should not be troubled by those whom Paul describes as enemies of the cross. And again, that was last week in chapter 3. That was verse 18. So you can kind of look at this first this first section of chapter 4. is really just kind of review and summary. He's kind of reminding them but he's touching on these important things, these important parts. I used to have a professor that would say, look, if I say it more than twice, it's probably going to be on the test. Well, Paul's reminding them of these things that are going to be important that he wants them to remember. Philippians chapter 4, verse 2, we pick up, it says, I plead with, and I'm going to mess up these names, I plead with Yodia, <laughs> and I plead with Sintich to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the course of the gospel. It says, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Now, he's talking about these two women, these two women who were clearly very important to Paul's ministry. And he's talking about this idea of reconciliation. Now, reconciliation is another one of those church words, right, that we use a lot. We talk about being reconciled, and we talk about reconciliation. But, but I want you to remember that this simply means the restoration, right? Reconciliation means being restored. And that's important because we can't just keep using these words and seeing these words, throwing around these words, and we don't really know what they mean. But reconciliation simply means restoring, restoring that relationship, Just like when we're reconciled to God, right? It's because we've been restored by that sacrifice that Christ made for us. It's unusual for Paul to mention names specifically in the body of his letters. Now, if you're familiar with the Pauline letters, it's very common for him in the very beginning or the very end to mention a few names. But it's very rare for him to do it kind of in the body of the letter. And, and he does this, and he mentions these two women by names, which tells us that it was important, that they were important to his ministry. Now, I don't know what role they played in the church. I don't know exactly what they did. It doesn't go into that kind of detail. But what we understand is there was some kind of conflict going on between these two women, both of which who were very important to Paul. And he's urging them with the help of his, his friend, Clement, who was thought to be a leader of this church. They use the word... Uh, Bishop, which I know we don't usually use that word, but Clement was, was a leader of this church, and he's urging him, hey, I want you to work with Clement, because see, Paul couldn't be there to do it himself. So he's saying, hey, I need you guys to come together, because Paul, and if you know the Pauline, the Pauline letters, over and over and over again, he talks about unity in the church. He talks about avoiding divisions in the church. So he's calling these two women out by name saying, look, I know you guys are having a problem, but I need you to work this out. And see, we're going through kind of a same similar situation, right? Where we're we're kind of divided between the people that want to wear masks and the people that don't want to wear masks and the people that want to meet in person and the people that don't want to meet in person. And that's okay. It's okay for you to have your own opinions, but we shouldn't let that divide us as a church because now more than ever, we need that unity that Paul talks about. And we need that togetherness, and we need that family that we can lean on. The book of life. The book of life is one of those terms that we kind of throw around from time to time, but, but he's talking about the book of life that Luke references in Luke chapter 10, verse 20. Let's flip over there just real quick. Luke chapter 10, verse 20. Luke says, however, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your name, your names are written in heaven. See, this idea of the book of life simply means that God writes our names in that book. And when our name is in that book and we're living a right life and we're, we're living that relationship with Jesus that we're supposed to have, our name is already written on that roster, so to speak, up in heaven. And that's the goal, right, is to have our names in that book of life. All right, so let's jump into the heart of what I want to talk to you guys about today. I would love to spend some more time on verses 1 through 3. I want to encourage you to to read that some more, to study that some more. But as we jump into the heart of of today's lesson, it starts in number 4, and it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. It says, I will say it again, rejoice. See, Paul's again reminding us this idea of joy. Remember, the the subtitle of this whole series on Philippians is Rejoice in the Lord Always. It says, Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. So again, it's this idea of he's encouraging us to rejoice because if Paul could rejoice while he's sitting in prison waiting to possibly be executed, then we should be able to rejoice in the Lord always despite our circumstances. So let's flush out this word always a little bit, right? Because that word can be a little difficult for us sometimes, right? Because it says rejo- rejoice in the Lord always. And if you're like me, you see that word always and you go, oh, that's tough. Right? Always is a tough word. Always and never, things like that. Those are tough words, right? But, but how do we do that? Is that even realistic to think that we can rejoice Always. Right? Because we're going to have hardships, and we're going to have troubles, and we're going to lose loved ones. But how do we rejoice in the Lord always? Well, we do this by maintaining our focus despite our circumstances. Now, this is something that's really important right now. Because there are so many other things that are trying to distract us from God. Right? We've got this pandemic that's been going on for nine months, ten months, whatever it's been. I'm starting to lose track. We just had an election that's, got, that's taken a lot of people's focus away. But see, when we start to lose focus on God, these things will start to steal our joy. The Bible teaches us we need to guard our hearts. Well, how do we do that? How do we guard our hearts so that we can maintain our joy? I'll tell you one way to do it. Turn off the news. Right? Turn the TV off. Get off of social media. If that stuff is is stealing your joy that you have in Christ Jesus, then get rid of it. It would probably do some of us some good if we got rid of our social media, right? Think of the time we'd save. It'd probably be good if we didn't watch the news, where all they talk about is, was the election rigged? Was it not rigged? Did this guy win? Did that guy win? You see this group over here having a protest, and this group over here having a protest. And that steals our joy because we, we start to worry about those things. We start to think about those things. And they start to be all-consuming for us. I see people on my social media that all they talk about is the election. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be up on political events. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is if it's stealing our joy, then we need to guard our hearts and get rid of that stuff. Turn off the TV. Turn off the computer. Turn off the smartphone. Don't let those things steal the joy that you have in the Lord because our joy isn't of this world, it's of the next. And we have to remember that. Because one day, we'll get to do nothing but rejoice. See, one day when we make it to heaven, there won't be any more of this nonsense, right? There won't be any more of these pandemics, and there won't be any fear, and there won't be any sorrow, and there won't be any tears, and there won't be any loss, and thank goodness there won't be any elections. Right? Because Jesus sits on the throne, right? So there's no need for an election. And regardless of how this one ends up, Jesus is still on the throne. So don't get so wrapped up in these other things that it takes away your joy. Because you have the joy that is found only in Jesus Christ. So we've got to focus on that. And that's how, when we see this, it says, rejoice always. And he says, and I'll say it again, rejoice. That's how we do it. Focus on him. Let the other stuff go. He, he uses this word gentleness, and, and that got me to look in this up a little bit closer. And I looked at a couple of different translations, and I looked at a couple of different, different uh, commentaries. And it's also translated as good sense, courtesy, or I love this word, forbearance. And I love that. I love how that, that plays out. Because when you look at it from that sense, it says... Let your gentleness be evident to all, or let your forbearance be evident to all. Because, see, we're thinking ahead, right? Because, thank goodness, there is more to our lives than this world. Could you imagine if this was it? This was it. This this is all we get, is just what happens in this world. All of the frustrations and the anxiety and the stress, and the grind of getting up every day and going to a job you may not even like, sitting in traffic, people making you crazy, road rage. Could you imagine if that was it? That's all we had to look forward to. It'd be pretty depressing, wouldn't it? I don't know how people who who don't believe, how do they make it through life without just being depressed all the time? Because if this was all I had to look forward to and then one day I'm going to die, that wouldn't be much of a life at all. But see, I to have joy in the Lord. He talks about the Lord is near. Now, this is a fascinating concept, right? Because we don't know exactly what Paul meant by the Lord, of, Lord is near. But here's some things he may have meant. He may have meant that Christ was close to them, right? That might be what he was talking about. He might have meant that the kingdom is near. Because I want you to remember that in this time, a lot of the apostles thought, right, literally any day now, the kingdom's going to be reestablished. They really believed that. And here we are, what, 2,000 some years later, and Christ still hasn't come back, right, to establish his kingdom. Not in the way we're thinking of. But the apostles didn't know. They said over and over, look, could be today, could be tomorrow, nobody knows. But it's going to happen one day. So maybe that's what Paul meant. Or maybe he just meant that Jesus was coming back soon. I'm not sure exactly what he meant by near. But either one of these three could be applicable. And that's the joy that we have. Is that he's coming back. Sooner rather than later. And again, we don't know. We don't know the hour that he's coming, right? But he's coming. And, Paul, and Paul's reminding the church it's near. And, you know, we may not always feel that Jesus is near, but he's always there. He never leaves us or forsakes us. And when we don't see him and we don't feel him, it's not because he's doing something wrong. It's usually because we need to take a hard look in the mirror. Because when I, and I'm going to speak for me, I'm not speaking for you. When I haven't felt Jesus in my life, it wasn't because Jesus wasn't there. It's because I wasn't praying enough and I wasn't reading my Bible enough and I wasn't doing my side, of the, my side of the deal, right? I wasn't living up to my side of the relationship that I have with Jesus Christ. And therefore, he didn't feel near. It wasn't because he wasn't there. It was because I wasn't there. Let's jump to verse 6. This is, this is a verse that I think probably everybody in this room knows by heart and can probably quote by heart. But I think it's almost lost some of its meaning because of that. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, it's this idea of thankfulness over anxiety. And that's what we've been talking about this morning. We've been talking about how do we maintain our joy despite all of the problems and the stress and the anxiety and the situations that we're going through. So what are the things that we worry about? right? Because I'm not just going to quote that verse to you and say, hey, don't worry about anything, just pray. How many times have you guys heard that verse? And if you're like me, you heard that verse and said the exact same thing that I did, easy for you to say, or easier said than done, what are the things that we worry about? Are we worrying about work? Yep. Are we worrying about school? Probably for those of us who are students. Do we worry about our kids? Of course we do, right? We worry about our kids safety. We worry about our kids health. We worry about are our kids going to continue to follow Jesus. We worry about our kids. We worry about politics. We worry about COVID-19. Now, I'm just going to be transparent with you guys. And if my wife were here, you'd hear the biggest amen you've ever heard. I'm a warrior. I'm just going to be up front with you. I'm a warrior. I overthink everything. I do. I overthink everything. So this is something that I'm working on. So what I want to do this morning is give you just a few things to think about as you process this idea of giving it to God and not taking it all on yourself? What if, at night, we focus on the peace and the understanding of Jesus and fall asleep with his peace calming our minds? Do any of you do this? You lay down in bed and your mind just goes crazy, right? Like you're tired, you're groggy, you're about to fall asleep on the couch, so you go to bed and all of a sudden, boom, your mind kicks in song lyrics from the 80s, your grocery list, what you're going to get people for Christmas, all of a sudden your mind just starts rolling. It happens to me all the time. So what do we do when that happens? Because Paul just said we don't have to worry about anything. We've got to change our focus. We've got to change our focus to Christ and maybe that's we need to right before we go to bed we need to sit down with our bibles i mean reading does put me to sleep maybe it means that we just need to pray it out and talk to god until we fall asleep or maybe maybe it's simply that we just need to focus on him so that we're not focused on those other things right it's this idea of guarding our hearts When we're laying in bed, let's not be on social media, which is just going to stress us out more. Let's not be reading newspaper articles, which is just going to stress us out more. But let's focus on the good things in our lives. Let's focus on Christ and what he's done for us. Because if that's where your focus is, that's where your heart's going to be also. So again, just a suggestion. I want to look at another thing. Anybody relate to this this girl right here in her car, right? She's on her way home from work or at a stoplight, or maybe she's in the driveway and she's just like, oh, this day, this day, my job, my commute. But what if we could truly compartmentalize that? What if when we drive into our driveway, maybe we give ourselves that time of our commute home, but what if we made a conscious decision that when I drive into my driveway, at the end of the day, work stops there? I'm not going to check my emails. I'm not going to check my voicemails. I'll be present with my family. I'm going to say a quick prayer and ask God to take all of this out of my, off of my mind until tomorrow, and I'll deal with it then. How much better... our time away from work be if we could truly learn to do that now i get it some jobs maybe you can't do that maybe you're on call 24 7 whatever the case may be but if you can imagine if you could just pull into your driveway every day reach out to god and just say god look you know today was tough thank you for getting me through this day and help me just to put this away until tomorrow think about that how that impacts your time away from work think about how that impacts the time with your family if you can walk in the door and not be carrying all of this tension and this stress and this anxiety that then you go to take out on your wife who takes it out on your kid who kicks the dog? And I say that jokingly, but I say that seriously. It's that ripple effect. But what if we could give that to God in the driveway and go spend time with our families? See, it's all about our focus. We we gotta keep our focus on putting the first things first. And I know that's hard to do. I'm realistic. I've got school, I've got work, I've got a wife, I've got three kids. I, I get it. <laughs> it's hard sometimes to prioritize. But Matthew chapter six, verse thirty three says, But seek first, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. It doesn't say seek the kingdom after you're done seeking work. It doesn't say seek the kingdom after you're done seeking your hobbies. It says seek first his kingdom. You know, I I like to say I'm a multitasker. But science will tell you that's actually not possible that you can't truly be focused on more than one thing at a time. Now, can you do more than one thing at a time? Of course you can, because you can drive your car and talk on your phone and all that kind of stuff. But think about that. When you're driving your car and you're talking on the phone, where's your focus? If, If you're like most people, it's kind of back and forth, right? You're focusing on that car that just pulled out, but you're also focusing on the conversation that you're having. So you're multitasking, but you're not truly focusing On both of those things. See, one of those things is not getting your full attention. So that being said, if our focus is on Jesus Christ, then everything else gets pushed to the side. It does, but it's all about our focus. And it has to be a conscious effort every single day that I'm going to focus on Jesus. And when I go to bed at night, I'm not going to let the stress of today get to me because I'm going to focus on Jesus. And when I get home from work, I'm going to give it to Jesus and I'm going to go to bed. Or I'm going to go spend time with my family. So where do we go from here? What do we take with us today? Focus on feeling the nearness of Jesus. And again, I can't speak for everybody, but if you're like me, if I'm not feeling Jesus... It's because I'm not doing my part. And maybe you're the same and maybe you're not. But what I've found is when I change my focus, then I can feel his nearness. Give it to God. God is way more powerful and way more knowledgeable than anybody in this room. He just is, right? He's omniscient and he's omnipotent. None of us can say that. We may think that, but it's not true. Why not let God, who is way more powerful than you and me, why not let him take care of it? Because let me tell you this, if you don't give it to God, you're basically saying, God, you're not big enough. God, you're not powerful enough. I I can't give this to you because you can't do it. The bottom line is God can and will, but you have to give it to him. So give it to God. Don't live in anxiety. Give it to God. Find that joy. Find that peace. And keep the first things first. Because when we focus and we put the first things first, then we can truly find our joy that lies in Jesus Christ. Next week, we'll pick up with our last lesson in the book of Philippians. And we'll take this towards the end of the chapter next week. In just a moment, we're going to have an invitation song. And if you're not familiar with an invitation song, basically, this is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to think about where you're at. Where are you at in your walk of faith? Where are you at in your relationship to Jesus Christ? Maybe you've never had a chance to be baptized for the remission of your sins, to dedicate your life to Christ, to receive that gift of the Holy Spirit. You have an opportunity to do that this morning. Or maybe... Maybe you've been a Christian your whole life. But you haven't put the first things first. You've let all these other things creep in, and it's pushed Jesus to the side. And you're not feeling that nearness to Jesus. You're not feeling that closeness to him. You're not trusting God enough to give him your problems. What a great opportunity for you to come forward this morning, and we'll talk with you, and we'll pray with you, and we will help you in any way that we can. I want you to consider those things as we stand together and as we sing. again, we want to thank you so much for joining us here at the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. Quick reminder, we are going to be meeting outside in the courtyard today at 4 o'clock for a song service and a short devotional by Michael Wexler and we want to invite you to come on out, bring a chair, and join us at four o'clock in the courtyard for a time of worship and fellowship. Um, Also, just want to thank you again for being here, whether you're here in the auditorium or whether you're part of our online service. We'll be back again next Sunday morning at 1015 for our children's worship and at 1030 for our morning worship service. And then the following Sunday on the 29th, we'll have our family worship service. Uh, Brother Glenn Alsop will be bringing the message for us, and we'll have a lot of our young men getting involved in the service. you're definitely going to want to be here for that. Would you please join me in a word of closing prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day, and we thank you for this opportunity that we had today to just come together as a family and to spend time and worship and praise unto you. Heavenly Father, we just pray that you'll help us to just learn to really lean in and to trust on you and to give you our cares and our worries and our stress and our anxiety. And Heavenly Father, if there's any who are struggling with that, just wrap your loving arms around them and just remind them that you are their loving Heavenly Father and that you want to be there to help them out. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for that relationship we have with you. We thank you that you loved us enough to send your Son. It's in Christ's precious name that we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being here and have a great week. Beautiful one I love Beautiful one
1: soul must sing Powerful, so powerful, your glory fills the skies, your mighty works displayed for all to see, all to see. The beauty of your majesty awakes my heart to see How Marvelous! How wonderful you are, beautiful one I love, beautiful one I adore, beautiful one my soul must sing. Beautiful one I love, beautiful one I adore, beautiful.